0: Well, hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of The Mindful Minute. I am so happy, as always, to connect with you. Before we dive into today's class, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about my upcoming meditation teacher training. It's coming up in January of 2022. It's one of only two programs that I'm going to do in 2022, actually and I'm really excited. It's starting to fill up. I want to talk to you about it in case you want a spot in this training. You know, in the past, my trainings have been made up of students that are just looking for more depth and understanding in their practice, yoga teachers, school teachers, therapists, social workers, community activists, churchgoers, stay-at-home parents. In short, My trainings are made up of people just like you. People who are busy, tired, inspired, curious, and mostly we're just all out here juggling all of the things. This meditation training isn't for the aspiring monk. It's not for somebody who for sure 100% even wants to teach. This training is for the engaged, awake individual who's looking for just a little bit more, more depth, more wisdom, more questions, more creativity, more connection. The next Awakened Heart Meditation Teacher Training begins in January, and there are currently 10 spots left. I hope one of them is for you. Feel free to reach out. You can find my link in the show notes to email, ask any questions you have. And until then, enjoy this next episode of the Mindful Minute. All right. Welcome. Happy Monday. Thank you for being my Monday night crew that we get to practice together every Monday night. It brings me such joy and I hope it does for you guys as well. You know, I often find Mondays around four or five, I'm thinking, I'm so tired. I just, I'm ready for the day to be done. I'm so tired. I have nothing, nothing, no energy. And then somehow 7 p.m. rolls around and I turn on my lights and I light the candles on the altar and I start Zoom up and I get to see your faces and I am so filled. So thank you for showing up and practicing. We are diving into the third installment, the final installment already, of the Lying on the Forest Floor series. This is such an interesting series for me because it contains a lot less structure in some ways than some of my other series. It's much more built on a curiosity, and yet I'm loving it, and I hope you are too, because my wish for this series is that it in invokes or inspires a sense of questioning and curiosity for you in terms of how we relate to ourselves and the universe and our meditation practice and all the minutiae in our lives. And so we started with this look at the commonality, the shared root of humus, human, and humor. And humus was this exploration of ourselves as earth come to consciousness and human was the most expansive view of who we are possible the boundless ocean that is us versus the little sort of um small me that we tend to be consumed with all day every day and today we're looking at humor another one of those slippery little words that you say it and on the top of your head you go, oh, well, that has nothing to do with meditation. And yet by now I know that, all you know, everything has something to do with meditation. There's nothing that's off limits. There's nothing that doesn't belong in our practice. It is all welcome. And the more of it we welcome in, the more it creates the opportunity for Growth for balance for a sense of wholeness and um, healing because we're not siphoning off portions of ourselves or our emotions or our experiences and saying, Well, that's not welcome here, right? And I, you know, I, I have an interesting experience. This is sort of unrelated, but it happened today. My three-year-old daughter loves my altar. You guys in the class can see it behind me. And I have like little bowls with treasures in them. Little rocks and crystals and seashells and fe- you know just found things that mean something to me. And I, I have runes and pictures. I have all kinds of stuff back there. And it's special. Everything on that little stool has meaning and purpose for being there. And I clean it weekly and arrange it just so. This is part of my own little practice. And my three-year-old loves nothing more in the world than to come down here and touch everything and take it off and rearrange it and do her own little version of cleaning the altar. And there's a piece of me that wants to be very uptight about it and be like, no, 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 that's mommy's special stuff. Don't. And then there's another part of me that's like, right, this is part of the practice, is like, this isn't really in my control. I mean, this is bits of nature that I found outside and I decided was special and put on a little stool and called it an altar and my three-year-old wants to touch it. And so all that to say, humor is welcome. right? And I know we all know sort of at least loosely humor we think of as something that brings us amusement, something that makes us smile or something that makes us laugh. But from Wikipedia we also learn that the term actually derives from humoral medicine, which is ancient Greeks. And it was this belief that the balance of fluids in the body is what controls human health and emotion. Humoral medicine, the balance of fluids in the human body is what controls health and emotional well-being which I think is so interesting because we just spent an entire class talking about being the ocean. Right? We just spent a whole class talking about fluid in the body in the most sort of metaphorical and literal sense possible. And then here we are saying, now we're going to call in humor as a mechanism for balancing. It's not something that's out of place. It's not something that is silly or unnecessary. It's something that is vitally important for balance. I think that's fascinating. And, you know, I tend to really pay attention to things that repeat for me. I see or hear something multiple times in a row. I'm like, this is, this needs to be paid attention to. It's important. And the thing that I have heard repeated multiple times in the last week is some version of the words saying we are not a mistake. We, human beings, the human species on the planet, is not a mistake. Regardless of what model of arrival you believe in, right? How we ended up being here. There isn't a single story that goes somebody went, oops, I didn't mean to do that right? We're not a mistake. And I think that's a really interesting thing to reflect on when it seems like every single news story and social media post is screaming at us to fix the problems, right? It seems like we the humans have really screwed up and we've really got to fix it and I'm not here to write off that statement and I think there's actually a lot that needs to be fixed and for the sake of balance we're also going to remember that we ourselves are not mistakes we ourselves, as we are today, as we live, is not a mistake. This is the path that has unfolded to date. Whether you are one out saving the world, whether you are one bemoaning under the covers, or gleefully unplugging and not paying attention and hoping somebody else worries about it, it doesn't matter. We're not a mistake. We're here in this moment with some sense that we actually have no ability to see the whole picture. Our minds are not capable of it. We can't know the outcome. We can't actually take in the massive history that has happened thus far. So we pull all the little pieces that we can pull And we do the best that we can do. But, you know, I think it was Albert Einstein that said, you can't solve a problem on the same level of consciousness it was created. You can't solve a problem on the same level of consciousness it was created. And yet here we are. Stuck somewhere between the little me that creates problems sometimes and the boundless ocean entirety of the forest me that is all things, and knows all things, and is connected to all things. And we're doing this little dance of being stuck in the middle. The practice of humor is the reminder that we don't know, we can't possibly know, and maybe just in this one moment, we don't have to be stuck in the drama. When I think about Humor. I think about the archetype of the Fool or the comic. So, an archetype is an original pattern or an original energy. It means something that exists across time and culture, right? There is somebody funny in every culture of all times, right? And the Fool is sort of this character, the jester, the trickster, the comedian. And so I wanted to read to you just a snippet from Kim Cran's Archetype deck. She has a little deck of archetypes and a guidebook, and I just pulled a little snippet from her guidebook. The comic archetype actually has highly advanced mind, as humor requires one to see the situation from afar rather than be swept away by the drama. The comic sees and accepts the messiness of life using it as material to be mixed and shaped into a potion to soothe the stressed and serious mind. The comic just may be the archetype that heals the deep division in the world. It's not that we don't see the problems. It's not that we're going to ignore them or pretend they don't exist. It's actually that we really do see them. And rather than let ourselves get so tangled up inside them, it's almost as if we can take a bird's eye view, like pull back a little bit and see more, as much of the pictures our mind allows, and to create just enough space for us to smile so that we bring balance into our engagement the other archetype that comes to mind quite a bit is the coyote in indigenous animal wisdom cultures. The coyote sort of embodies knowledge and nonsense. He's the trickster who like keeps falling into his own tricks, his own traps. And when coyote shows up, it's like, well, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to learn something here. Something's about to make itself known. Maybe it's going to be awesome. Maybe you're going to hate it. Either way, you're definitely going to laugh because it's going to be ridiculous, right? And then lastly, I'll just say, you know, the Dalai Lama is perhaps one of the most revered spiritual leaders of our time. And when he speaks, of course, he's speaking about these huge, huge important topics. And the thing that everybody remembers from seeing him speak is his laughter. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I hope you take three minutes and go Google Dalai Lama laughing and watch some of the videos because your day will be better for it. And you would think a leader in exile who's lived 80 years of his life, 80-something years, maybe more at this point, of his life in a state of persecution, You would think maybe there wouldn't be a lot to laugh about, and yet you see very real laughter in this man. He actually wrote, thinking only of the negative aspect doesn't help find the solutions, and it destroys the peace of mind. He writes, I love smiles, and my wish is to see more smiles, real smiles. If we want those smiles, we must create the reasons that make them appear. And so in our meditation practice, we can use humor as a mechanism, both for going deeper and for creating some balance. And I'll tell you one of the way, I'll tell you two of the ways it shows up for me. The first way is very subtle, and, and you've likely heard me say it before, you know, I often cue, when we're sort of scanning through the body and softening muscles and kind of settling in, I say, Invite a subtle sense of a smile into the mouth. Doesn't have to show, doesn't mean you're happy, subtle sense of a smile. Because the truth of the matter is, when you smile, it creates the physiological response of happiness in your body. It does soothe your mind and your heart. So even creating that sense of smile alleviates some of the stress, some of the seriousness that we carry. And then the other piece of it is, you know, I think maybe there's nothing better in the world than talking to another meditator about all the weird things that happen to you when you meditate. I can I cannot even begin to count the number of times I have called a meditating friend and been like, you will not believe what happened to me. I had this dream. Then this thing rose up for me in meditation. Then I was drawing this picture and a bird flew across the window and then, you know, Purple shot out of my chakra, whatever, (laughs) right? We'll say the weirdest things. And it's in that, and you're like sort of laughing and very serious. And when you're lucky and in community with amazing people, they get to laugh and support and also know that there's deep truth in there. So it's like getting to share those. And some of you have even shared experiences with me of like, you know, feeling like you were transported into another place another time or something very viscerally visually real happened in your practice and we have to smile with that because it's so wild and yet there's some truth there there's something for us to to know and enjoy and pay attention to and so our invitation tonight as we get ready to practice is that we don't shun humor because we're so serious about our meditation practice. We're not that kind of meditator. We're the kind of meditator who smiles and laughs and says, yeah, maybe some color is going to shoot out of a chakra one day. Maybe not. Maybe I don't even know what a chakra is and I don't ever want to know. But when I meditate, you know, I, I just had a student tell me every time they meditate, A different verse of some song appears in their head. They were like, it's like a soundtrack. I don't know what it's I don't know what song, I don't know what verse, but there's gonna be a verse that sums up the meditation. That's amazing. And then we're laughing about songs and which ones seem the most resonant. And humor is a good thing. Humor is the balance. All right, enough of me talking. Let's practice. Wiggle around a little bit, because we just sat and chatted for a hot minute there. Undo your legs, do them the other way. Let your hands rest down onto your lap when you're ready. Let your eyes drift closed. And perhaps with a smile on your face here, take a nice deep breath in. Open up your mouth, release a sigh. And we'll just do that again, inhaling deeply. Exhale out a sigh. Take a minute just to let your breath flow. And perhaps you'll even just notice here that you enjoy your meditation practice. That we don't do this to punish ourselves, to make ourselves unhappy or uncomfortable. We do it for the love of meditation. For the love of being still and quiet and spending time with ourselves. There's nothing for you to change or fix. You simply begin by saying silently to yourself, Now is my time to meditate. Now is my time to meditate. And as you say those words, perhaps you feel yourself settling in just a little bit more. Imagining your body could just melt down into the cushion or chair beneath you. Feeling the sharp edges of your body soften and blur. Maybe even imagining yourself cutting ties with all the external affairs of today. Until you're seated here, foot loose and fancy free. Letting your breath flow smooth and steady Letting your body relax into a posture that you likely know very well. A nice tall spine so that you feel awake. Maybe you can drop your shoulder blades back and down. Or subtly lift the crown of the head. Letting go across your forehead, your eyes, letting go of the line of the jaw, the lips, the tongue. feeling breath move through your chest and through your belly Gradually, we feel ourselves dropping into a space that is both relaxed and awake. Letting the breath flow in and your belly expand a little bit. Letting the breath flow out and the belly contracts just a touch. And for a moment, we'll just be here, settling our breath. An easy, gentle inhale in. An equally long, slow breath out. Finding a rhythm to your breath so that the inhale and the exhale feel equal in length and volume. As you feel yourself settling deeper and deeper, and you'll take a moment to focus your attention on the space right behind the forehead, focusing your awareness on the space just behind the forehead. It might feel like a broad, open expanse. And across this expanse, you imagine a smile. From one corner to the other, spreading through that dark expanse is a smile. You might even feel that sense of smile spread across your forehead. The smile moves across your eyes, subtly spreading and lifting the corner of the eyes. And you feel the smile move down through the inside of your mouth. It doesn't have to show, nothing has to move or change. You simply feel the effects of a smile as it moves through your mouth. Feeling the smile land across the center of your throat. Softening any tension or tightness around unspoken words. The smile spreads across your collarbones and across the heart itself. What does it feel like if your heart smiles? Smile moves down across your belly, and down through the pelvis, until breath by breath. Notice that you are the embodiment of a smile. We'll settle here into silence for about five more minutes. As we do you can let your awareness rest on the breath, on the feeling of the smile. And on your capacity to welcome everything into this practice. You are the embodiment of a smile. We'll take just another moment to feel your breath flow. To feel that hint of smile, of humor, of shaking your head in wonder. Because we're here on this pale blue dot hurtling through space and we just can't know it all. And so we'll smile a little smile and we'll breathe a little deeper feeling an inhale in. Opening up the mouth, releasing a sigh. And then we'll just do that again because it feels good. Inhale in deeply. Exhale, let go of that breath. Wiggle into your fingers and your toes, feeling the edges of these bodies. Take all the time you need to let go of your practice to blink your eyes open. Thank you, guys. Be well.